You can be seated. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Great to be with you. I'll try to stay kind of mellow, but I, by nature, I'm not that mellow. So uh, I'm going to talk this morning. If you're visiting, my name's Scott. I'm uh, the pastor at Adventure. I'm surrounded by lots of shepherds and elders that are helping us love people and ensure that people know they matter here, uh, which thrills me that we have those kind of leaders at Adventure. This morning, I want to talk about something I'm hearing a lot of, and it's a term that's become kind of, uh, it kind of reflects the vibe of a lot of our culture. It's the word positivity. You got positivity this time of year? Are you feeling positive? I want to answer the question this morning, how do we maintain positivity when we're under pressure? And uh, I, I just personally have noticed that if I allow my attitude to go unchecked, if I don't really try to take care of my relationships, if I look through my eyes on my circumstances, if my prayers are kind of, uh, you know, dismal and hopeless, uh, and I stop really placing faith in my prayers that God's hearing me and I'm praying for what He wants me to pray for, I my positivity quotient goes, Ew. it's something I've got to monitor. And I saw positivity modeled big time last month. In October, I was serving at the concession stand at Intercom High School, who, by the way, advanced this last weekend, goes on to play Jesuit next week. We're excited about that. Go Intercom. We've got a player back here. Give him a little hand. Come on. Wake up. All right. We're excited. Uh, and I saw positivity at such a high level a few weeks ago while I was working the concession line. I was uh, in the adult line, and a young lad came up to me, totally confident, smiling from ear to ear, and said, hey, I'd like eight M&M packages. And I was like, wow, that's a bold ask. And I had been coached all night that I wasn't to let students come through that line. They were to go around. It's awfully fun news to give kids that have been waiting for 10 minutes in line. And this kid said, hey, she said I could be in this line. He had overwhelming confidence, and I thought maybe it had something to do with his sports gear. The Cubs had just won the World Series, and he had full cubby jacket on, cubby hat pulled down over his head. This guy had confidence, big time, 108-year century confidence. And he's sitting there, and he's like, no, she told me I could come through this line. And I'm like, I've been told by the staff, don't let students come through this line. It expedites the line. And so I'm like, uh, who's she? Oh, it's the coach's wife. All right. I misunderstood. I wasn't to let high school students go through the line, but middle school and down and college and up can be in the line. It's actually, as you get older, it's tough to figure out who's who. Anyways, this kid, he ordered his M&Ms. I was so moved, not just by the fact that he could, he ordered his M&Ms, not just for himself, he ordered them for his friends. I was impressed that he had the ability to enjoy M&M's at his age in life and it not impact him physically. Uh, that was, I was a little covetous of that. But I, I also was impressed by his confidence. In fact, later in the morning, he came to the other window. I was kind of disappointed that he didn't come to mine. And he was ordering more candy. And I just brought him a whole box of M&M's. And I said, here, bro, they're yours. Just take them. He's like, really? I'm like, no, just kidding. He was so positive, so confident. And I got to tell you, when I saw that, I thought, you know what? That's the kind of positivity, the kind of confidence that Christ followers can have. 
we're called to have a high level of confidence. And if you think about it, uh, how do we have this kind of confidence, especially in the face of difficulties? Think about some of the circumstances some of our own adventure family are facing. Uncertainty about employment coming around the the, uh, calendar year. Uh, Uncertainty about medical prognoses uh, right now some families are going through. Some unexpected, uh, unplanned, unforeseen family challenges, marital and family life challenges that are just, just staggering, really, for families. Some financial hardship for families. Um, some insecurity, unsurety about employer-employee relations. Uh, a lot of challenges happening. How do you stay positive in the midst of all that? Because as Christ followers, we have permission to play and be positive when stuff is really tough. And how do you do it? Uh, you know, it. I want to suggest it comes down to what you're thinking. It comes down to what you're thinking. That's how you do it. It has its origin in the mind. John Milton said that the mind in itself is its own place. It, has, it is a place that can make a heaven of hell or a hell of heaven. In the mind. And so the question I would ask this morning as we think about how do we maintain positivity while we're under pressure, I would answer that question with this question. Here it is What are you thinking? (laughs) Have you ever had someone say to you, What are you thinking? (laughs) Or maybe someone in your home, What are you thinking? Why would you do that? Why are you thinking like that? Maybe not you. I get it quite a bit in my home. What are you thinking? Let me tell you, what you're thinking determines the kind of positivity you're going to have in every area of your life. You sow a thought, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap character. You sow character, you reap a destiny. What you think is what you are. And so how do you you maintain positivity while you're under pressure? You answer the question, what am I thinking What am I allowing to stay here? Because it's going to affect your future. Uh, William James, uh, an 18th century early American philosopher, said that the greatest discovery in in America is that if you alter your, you can alter your future by altering your state of mind, by choosing positive thoughts, and I'll say today, Christ-centered, the mind of Christ thoughts, it can totally elevate your game in every area. Marriage and family life, education, your job performance, your relationships, it's all in your thinking. This morning, let's try to answer the question, what are we thinking? But before we do, I'm going to take a break here. Can we get the lights on? Because what I'm thinking is, if I'm out there and these lights are down, I'm gone. I'm going to bed. So I want to have these lights on so everyone uh, has a chance to open your Bible this morning. Let's find out from God's Word uh, how we should be guarding our thoughts. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. This is an early uh, prolific writer's work uh, to the church of Philippi uh, where the Apostle Paul uh, ministered and was significantly supported by this church. And I want you to know before I read that Paul here 
is having to really guard his thinking because he's writing from a Roman prison cell, which no doubt doesn't have good heating and air conditioning, which doesn't offer good, you know, it's not a corner bakery, IHOP, Bella Brew breakfast every morning. He's got to really guard his thinking because he's in a tough certain chap. He writes from difficulty when he writes to us. I'm going to start reading in chapter 4, verse 1. And I've got, just so you have a little heads up, I've got really four areas of thinking that I think we need to watch. Let's start here. Paul writes, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord. In this way, dear friends, I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind. Let's just pause there for a moment. These two women are having some relational difficulty. They're not connecting. They're, they're having some conflict. And Paul cares about the people of this congregation. It matters to him that they're getting along. It matters to him that they're <laughs> experiencing unity. <laughs> you know what unity is? Unity is walking hand in hand when you don't see eye to eye. <laughs> and these folks need some real unity. They need some reconciliation. A few weeks ago, we talked about having relationships with people where we decide in our own mind, hey, I'm just going to move on. I don't care anymore. Do any of you remember that message? I'm just kind of (laughs) done. I'm going to move on. And what we gleaned from Holy Writ was that we don't really have permission to say that. (laughs) As fun as it is sometimes, We don't have permission to say that because it's not always fun, as actually self-inflicting as it is to say that, because we're called to be representatives of Jesus Christ. We have a ministry of reconciliation. And so we're called to give people the same kind of grace that our Heavenly Father has given us. In fact, the take-home back in October for this particular message is this. Would you be willing to take a step towards a person that you don't care about anymore or have moved on from and show them the same kind of grace your heavenly father has shown you. That was the challenge. And I would ask you today, if you identified a person, did you take a step? Did you send a note? Did you send an invite? Did you make a phone call? Did you pray for them? Did you take that step? You might say, well, yeah, maybe not, maybe not, whatever. Hey, let me tell you, relationships matter. They matter. The older you get, the more they matter. Uh, Relationships are like wine. The older it gets, the better they get. You've got to maintain them and work hard at them. You wonder about Syntyche and Iodia. Why is it that no one's named their kids Syntyche or Iodia? Really? (laughs) What a cute daughter. What's what's her name? Iodia? Wow. Where'd you get that? Here's what I imagine. On Judgment Day, Iodia and Syntyche appear before God, and God says, hey, the good news is that you're, you're in heaven. Your name was written in the book of life. It's great to have you here. The bad news is your roommates forever. And the bad news is, furthermore, everyone named their kids after John or Matthew or Mark or David uh, or, or uh, Luke. No one named their kids on the planet after Syntyche because you two just kept fighting. It was so distracting. I'm just kidding. But my point is that Paul wanted to see those relationships mended. 
And if the Holy Spirit right now is saying, hey, you know what? There's someone in your life that you haven't taken a step toward just showing the same grace your heavenly Father has shown you. Here's, here's what I do. <laughs> I, I believe the passage that says, love covers a multitude of sin. And all I do is try to love them. Just reach out and do something sweet. Uh, and I find that not only, I find that it changes my heart. I pray for them, and I'm good. And if they've got an issue, I try to make myself available to hear whatever it is. But I take that step. Paul here is saying, hey, relationships matter. What are you thinking about your relationships? What are you thinking about your friendships? And some of you that are my age, considerably older, you, you know that we go through seasons with our friendships where we're tempted to kind of say, you know what, doesn't matter anymore. I've moved on. You're tempted to do that because life gets so fast, you're too busy. Let me encourage you. Stay close to your friends. I love that proverb that says, do not abandon your friend or the friend of your father. Maintain them. Here's why. There's long-term benefits to it. I have friends that I've had for over a quarter century. Some of you have had friends that have been 15, 10-year friends. And I was thinking, there's a few of us here who have had 50-year friends. We won't ask for a show of hands, but you have. Keep them going. Keep maintaining them. Let me tell you why. Let's continue reading. He says, verse 3, Yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers. Here's the last piece whose names are written in the book of life. Paul was trying to articulate our friendships really matter because these friends that we have, if they're in Christ, we're going to live with them forever and ever and ever. Ever. Look to the person you're seated next to and say, guess what? It's forever. It's forever. (laughs) It's forever. It's forever. That's the gospel message. First comes Christ died for our sins, was buried, resurrected from the dead off that cross to give us hope forever and ever. And so Paul's saying, hey, Yodia and Syntyche, work it out. Figure it out now or you're going to be roommates forever. Wouldn't that be something? You get to heaven. And all those Christians you kind of struggled with on earth, they're the people that greet you at the gate. Hey, we've been waiting for you. You're like, (laughs) and no. God wants you to deal with those. And I think sometimes the Holy Spirit will actually bring us together with people with whom we have conflict. Because <laughs> he wants peace in our life. Embrace it. Embrace it. So how do, you, how do you maintain positivity under pressure? Hey, guard your thinking about your friends and relationships. I, I read this morning, do not slander your brother and sister. Who are you to judge? Boy, I want to guard my tongue all the time from ever saying or even allowing something to be said about someone else. I want to love them constantly. Practice that kind of love. So how do you you maintain positivity under pressure? Some of it is guarding your thinking about relationships. They matter. People matter. Eternities are at stake. Forevers matter. Names are written in the book of life. Now, someone's name that's written in the book of life. This phrase, book of life, is only used in, the, in all of biblical literature, I think about five times, maybe plus or minus one. A couple times in the Old Testament, twice I think in Revelation, once here in Philemon, maybe another time to the letter of Thessalonica. How do you ensure your name is written in the Lamb's book of life? Here's, here's how. You personally place trust that what Jesus did on that cross was for you. 
you admit that you needed his substitutionary death to cover your sins. And you place your trust in what he did, not what you can do. That's what religion teaches, all that you need to do. Placing trust in Jesus is trusting in what he's done. And if you've never done that, I challenge you today to consider asking Jesus to be near to you, come into your life, and give you a relationship that you've never experienced before with God through Jesus. Not about religion and duty, but with God through Jesus. That could be your step today. Okay. Secondly, (laughs) what else do we need to watch our thinking on to help maintain positivity under pressure? I would suggest the second is watch your thinking as it relates to your circumstances. This gets down to the nitty-gritty. Here we go. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your evident, rather your gentleness, be evident to all. The Lord is near. Did you hear this story about Willie Merrick? Nine-year-old from Atlanta, Georgia, who was abducted off his driveway by someone who offered him money. He came to the car door. The, the, the abductor grabbed him, kidnapped him, and drove off with little Willie Merrick. Okay? What he didn't know about Willie Merrick is he, was, he loved gospel music. And so when he was in the process of being abducted, he sat with his kidnapper, and he started singing praise music. Every day is a day to praise. Every day is a day to praise. And he kept singing over and over again. And Willie, Willie uh, was told by the abductor, quit singing. Stop it. And he didn't. He kept singing. Every day is a day of praise. Every day is a day of praise. And this kidnapper, it was not going like he imagined. He finally told the kid, if you don't quit, I'm going to kick you out of the car. (laughs) Every day is a day of praise. Every day is, and this was a new song written by an artist, uh, uh, actually a regional artist. Finally, the kidnapper, kidnapper pulled over and said, get out of the car. I'm sick of hearing you sing. Got out, totally unscathed. Uh, this song got national attention. It was written by an artist uh, on the East Coast who came and surprised Willie Merrick at, at services at Mount Carmel Baptist Church. And uh, this guy escaped great difficulty. How? He was praising the Lord. He was rejoicing in the middle of difficulty. This sounds totally irrational, but think about it. When, when Paul, the author of this letter, was in prison, He'd been beat, he and his co-worker Silas had been beat when they were uh, in Philippi, (laughs) this very city. They're in jail, and they considered it an honor to have suffered for Jesus Christ. And what did they do when they were in prison? They started, every day is a day of praise. They started praising, and what happened? There was an earthquake that, like the song we sang sang earlier, unlocked, broke all their chains, and set them free. I wonder when we're facing difficult circumstances and we're struggling to maintain positivity under pressure, if God is not just looking for us to praise. Because praise and this word rejoice that's here, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to all men for the Lord is near. This word rejoice means to exalt. It's like it seems totally counterintuitive. Life couldn't be more difficult. So I'm going to praise. That's what That's what Willie did. 
That's what Paul's asking us to do. It's not irrational. Here's why. He says the Lord is near. If you believe, if you have the faith that the Lord is near, you can praise. So I asked you earlier, what is your thinking about your circumstances? What are you facing? And I got to tell you, with some trepidation and timidity, I tell you, there's folks in our church that are facing some tough circumstances. (laughs) They're tough, really. And so to give praise to God takes a lot of faith. God, I'm going to trust you with this. How about you? What circumstances are you facing where God wants to hear you say, hey, I'm ready to praise, like Willie Merrick. I'm, I'm willing to rejoice because I trust what you're going to do in the future. Hey, let's, let me tell you a, a real-life example right here at Adventure. A year ago, we were negotiating with the owner of this building to try to get in this building, and our elders put forward an offer that they were willing to walk away from. I've been told by the commercial broker of that offer it was, uh, it was, it was low, <laughs> real low. He accepted for some crazy reason. And here we are a year later, and this week, in the last month, one of our internal volunteers has been negotiating with the county, Sacramento County building inspectors, to walk them through the code, their code books. Our own internal adventure architect has been walking them through their code books to show them. We, we really don't need new bathrooms in our church. We have enough bathrooms for what we're doing. We don't really need to rebuild our ramp down to the curb. A rail will do. It's under 8.6 degrees. It suffices. <laughs> we don't even really need to rebuild the walls here. We have a very elaborate fire system. And the county said, you know what? You're right. <laughs> you don't. If you would, just put some rails out there on that slope. Put a drinking fountain in front of the men's restroom. That'll answer the question of the tiered blue tape that's all over our walls. And uh, we're getting a nice drinking fountain that you can fill your water bottle up if you're into, like, lots of water. It's a good thing. And, and go ahead and build a door there because we kind of need a door. It's been a painful thorn for, oh, six, seven months. And here's the deal. Here's your permit. That's it. Saved us over $100,000. You might think, what's a big deal with a bathroom? Oh, $50,000, that's all. What's a big deal with doing a new slope? Oh, it's sixty grand. Not for Adventure of Natomas. God provided for us, ridiculously. Yeah. You don't know how these things are going to turn out. If it had gone the other way, we've got to say every day is a day of praise. Just because your circumstances go better than you imagine doesn't mean you shouldn't be praising. But God, we can rejoice. He gets all the glory for what he's done. And I want to thank anonymously our internal architect, uh, our contractor who's in here right now, place to meet construction for us. They're making that happen. And uh, we give God the glory that we have a great place to meet and that he's provided for us and given us favor with the county of Sacramento. That's important to us to honor them as well. So what you're thinking about your friends, what you're thinking about your circumstances, here's why. The way you maintain positivity is having great relationships, to, to be at peace with all men as long as it's possible for you. The way to, you maintain positivity is rejoicing knowing that the Lord is near when your circumstances are challenging. And then thirdly, the way to maintain positivity is monitoring your thinking while you're praying. Look at what Paul says here. He says, after the Lord is near, he says, do not be anxious, don't worry, don't fret, don't be afraid about anything. 
but in every situation, by prayer and petition, now that word prayer means submitting your request to God. It's that moment. It describes that place where you go to God and submit your requests. But by prayer and the word supplication here, as, or as it is in the New International Version, or the word petition means your request, your need. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, submitting your need to God. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. If you'll go to God, And submit your request to him, believing that he hears your prayer and he will answer your prayer. Then, And you do so with thanksgiving. And this thanksgiving is appropriate, especially this week. You know, back in 1863, our president, Abraham Lincoln, made a very bold move. Very bold move. Think through this with me. In 1863, probably over 100,000 Americans... Had, had given their lives to the Civil War. There was incredible disunity in our country. And Sarah Hale, a well-known prolific editor on the East Coast, was trying to get his attention to make Thanksgiving no longer just a statewide day of proclamation, but make it a federal all-union proclamation. Be bold. Can you imagine? So in the middle of the Civil War, With over 100,000 casualties already, you know how many casualties there were in the Civil War? Over half a million. Let's not forget where our country's been. Again, let me repeat, over a half a million. It's 525 or 530 casualties in the Civil War, 1861 to 1865. War buffs, please don't correct me now. Do it after service. (laughs) He stands up and says, guess what, folks? We need to take some time to be thankful. What? What? We need to pause and be thankful. And listen to some of the language, some of it in the proclamation. I'm not going to read the whole thing. What I have is on this three-by-five card, so don't freak out here. Here we go. This should be a day of thanksgiving, Abraham Lincoln, and a day of praise. To our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens... May the almighty hand heal the wounds of the nation and restore it to full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. So when you pray, follow one of the greatest men that ever lived and incorporate thanks in your prayers, especially this week. Be bold. In fact, if you have an opportunity to lead prayer at a Thanksgiving meal, and it's not correct to do so, pull out the full Thanksgiving proclamation that Abraham Lincoln wrote and read some excerpts from it. Abraham Lincoln, our president during one of the most divided eras of our nation's history, said it's time to proclaim a Thanksgiving. It's time for folks to praise God. And in that proclamation, it's time for people to get right with God. Can you imagine? And so when you pray, You want to make certain, as I talked about a few weeks ago, that when you pray, you're not praying just about yourself. James, Jesus' brother, remember, he told us, you ask, but you do not receive because you ask so that whatever you receive, you may may self-gratify. It may be all about you. Instead, you should ask for God's will. And so when you're praying, you ask just like Jesus prayed. Jesus, God, 
your will be done in my situation. I don't want my will. I want your will. I want you. I want what you want. You start using that kind of language, and it'll chill you out. It will, it will help, uh, help you stay positive amidst the pressure. It really will. I practice this prayer. It really works. And when you pray, you got to believe that God's going to respond to your prayers. He will respond to them. Lastly, how do, I, how do I maintain positivity under pressure? I do so by my thinking about my friends, my thinking about my circumstances, my thinking through my prayers. And finally, I do so by my per, the perspective I allow in my head. Again, that John Milton quote comes to mind. The mind has a place of its own. It can, be, it can make a heaven of hell or a hell of heaven. Your mind is, has crazy capacity, and so you got to guard it big time. you got to guard it. This is where positivity has its origin, and Paul knows that. Look what he says here. He says, you want peace? You want peace like the, the Sea of Galilee being calmed by Jesus? It's in your head. Here's what he tells you to do with your head. He says this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is true, what's true? What is true? What's true is that uh, our country has been significantly divided in the past, and our president called for a day of thanksgiving and, and praise and petition before God. That's true. Keep your mind on stuff that's true. Read good history. Read the scriptures. Listen to them on an audiobook. If you're if you're not a reader, that's what I do. Audiobook, mow the lawn. Audiobook, do the dishes. Audiobook, paint the house. It's wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> In that order. <laughs> Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble. You know what's noble? Noble is keeping your word to your own hurt. Noble is receiving an insult and not trying to get back at somebody. Noble is being a servant and not needing praise. That's noble. Whatever is right, what's right is obeying the laws of the land, honoring others, standing in the presence of veterans. Whatever is pure, what's pure are the eyes and the smile of a child (laughs) or a dog who obeys in your home. Uh, What's lovely is a maple, a Japanese maple that's changing color this type of year. What is What is admirable? (laughs) Someone who wants to serve and is content serving without any attention. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these kind of things. Think about these kind of things. And so if you're not maintaining positivity, the question is, what are you thinking? What's on your mind? What are you thinking? What are you reading? What are you watching? What are you pouring? What are you downloading into your head? Because if you're always downloading into your head negativity, guess what you're going to be thinking? Negativity. Download positivity. Think on good things. And we're blessed at this church. This is no exaggeration. We have models worth following at Adventure. Look what Paul says next. It's not just your thinking. He says, whatever you've learned and received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Follow my example, Paul says, like I follow Christ. There are examples in this church. Let me tell you, there are. And if you are looking for one, (laughs) I'll tell you who they are. There's some people in here that I look to for leadership examples. There are. You can grow by being around someone that's really walking close to the Lord. They can help your perspective. That's what we're talking about here. How do I stay positive? How do I have sh- positivity uh, like the Chicago Cub fan who 
uh, came to the concession line that day. How do I do it uh, so that I don't, I don't get overly anxious, I don't get fearful? Um, I'm positive. How do you do it? I think the way you do it is you guard what you're thinking. You guard what you're thinking about your friends. You guard what you're thinking about your circumstances, about your, about your prayers. You make certain that you're incorporating thanks and specific petition about God's will. And you guard your thinking about your perspective. You watch that. And the way I do that is I listen to the Bible. I hang out with people who are positive. I read books that are positive. I try not to watch shows that are negative. <laughs> So that I get to have a clear mind. It's a gift to have a clear mind. Some of you are thinking today, hey, uh, you may be thinking, hey, I've got a Yoda and Syntyche in my life. Is it really worth getting along? i got to tell you, it's totally worth it. The older we get, the more valuable relationships are. i got to tell you personally, personal confession, I have relationships with people that my friends don't because I was willing to stay close to them and love them no matter what. And it's been a gift to me. That was free. Uh, Secondly, some of you may be stuck and not sensing God's presence in your life. Uh, You're not feeling anything. I want to challenge you today to simply pray a prayer and say, God, reveal your son Jesus to me. Okay? So I feel he's near. Thirdly, some of you may say, you know what? The more I pray, the more anxious I feel. Hey, to to help curb anxiety, it's about, it's about, it's about, being specific in your prayers, acknowledging Jesus' presence, and guarding your thinking perspective. It's not just the prayer. It's got to be acknowledging Jesus' presence and guarding your mind. I think guarding our mind in this viral world is very tough. You've got to make more decisions about what you're not going to watch and not going to listen to than what you are going to watch and listen to. Your time is valuable. A half hour, hour, two hour time block, that's a big chunk of time to give to something that doesn't create positivity. And when you're not getting what you want, when you're not getting what you want, what do you think about? Do you think about what Christ has asked us to focus on? Good things. What are you thinking? Imagine the positivity of long-term relationships. Great relationships are like great wine. They get better with age. Imagine the positivity of knowing the same Lord that got you where you are will get you where he wants you to be. Imagine the positivity of praying prayers with thanksgiving that are focused on what God wants, not what you want. Imagine the positivity of having a mind that is noble, excellent, worthy of praise, and true. Today, perhaps you've not experienced the nearness of God. I talked to someone this week that said, just not experiencing it. All right, maybe that's you. Maybe there's one person here. I challenge you. Let's own that. Let's take a step forward. Here's the step. What about if in just a moment you pray a prayer with me and you say, all right, God, reveal your son Jesus to me this week somehow. (laughs) Show me Jesus. Because our faith is all about you and Jesus. It's not about church. It's not about rules. It's you and Jesus. Why do I say that? Because Paul said there is one man between you and God. That's Jesus. It's all you and him, baby. Maybe today you say, all right, I'll try Jesus. (sighs) How do we maintain positivity? How do we do it? What are you thinking? Yeah, guard that mind. Life gets good, really good. I want to lead you in a prayer. Maybe you, for the first time, you say, hey, I want Jesus. I'm ready. I want to try him.
Let's do it. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful today. It's a, it positively is Thanksgiving. We're grateful that we have permission to praise you when our circumstances aren't going like we envisioned. Thank you for the friends you've given us. Help us treasure them. Help us follow the Spirit as it relates to taking steps towards our friends. Help us rejoice in all circumstances. Help us pray with your will in mind. Because we know your will has our best in mind. And help us have a perspective that is noble. And for someone that's here today that, that has never experienced Jesus personally, I just ask you right now from where you're seated to simply say, God, show me Jesus. God, reveal Jesus to me today. Reveal him to me today. And if you just prayed that prayer, I want to know it, just me, raise your hand and say, yeah. I, I prayed that prayer today. God, I want to know Jesus today. Raise your hand and let me see. Yeah, you made that decision. Anybody here today? Say, God, I want to know Jesus today. All right? Lord, help us know him. He's the one that gives us peace in the midst of the storm. Amen.